becomes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger straight around the corner. It's a dream that you get to make real. Well, let's let's go. I feel like we're in a good space. Let's do it. All right. We'll see what comes out of this. To the shore. 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 Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Shores of ignorance. Here we are. Every day. Uh (laughs) 24-7. Well, Elon Musk owns Twitter now. Yeah. Or has it gone through? Someone... It seems like there's like it's still like in process. I don't know. I Everyone's don't know. acting as if it's it's done. He's yeah. acting like it's done. I guess it is. I mean, I, 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 someone I, you know again, you just see a tweet and you're like, is that true or is that not true or whatever? I almost feel like Twitter has gotten boring over the last couple of days because all anyone is talking about is hot takes on Elon Musk owning Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the, uh, the war. Of, did you know the war of Ukraine is not happening right now? what <laughs> well it's like that's kind of how it is it's like everyone's oh like, oh, right it's like, a, no it's like no on the contrary mm-hmm. they're like escalating into more you know nuclear rhetoric yeah and nobody's talking about <laughs> it uh-uh. what if elon is just some sort of pawn for the deep state oh, distract them distract them they got smarter <laughs> they tried to distract us with racism and then with covid uh-huh. and we were still talking about other shit and they're like have elon buy twitter and we're like ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's so good yeah he's a he's a Putin pawn just to kind of like distract everyone so he can come in and take uh, take Ukraine and we won't even know we about it we won't even know it we'll wake up from this <laughs> this fever dream of Elon Musk and Twitter and be like oh I guess he has Ukraine now uh, uh, and Poland yeah. and <laughs> wow China owns t- Taiwan now. <laughs> yeah it is really really interesting that Anybody can have enough money to just be like, I saw this Twitter thread. I guess somebody said something about this was like months ago. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Elon was complaining about something about Twitter on Twitter, and somebody replied, "You should buy it." <laughs> and he said, "How much is it?" <laughs> uh, and so he just went and bought it. He's just like, "I'll take it." <laughs> uh, yeah, there's something uh, there's something kind of baller about it. That's kind of like pretty uh pretty awesome <laughs> yeah when i wonder how in the world he has enough time to see to as much of the things as he does hmm. you know spacex and tesla and all the random you know peripheral things mm-hmm. like the boring company yeah. and Neuralink, hyperloop Neuralink, still doing interviews mm-hmm. um going on podcasts, trolling on Twitter. Twitter yeah. He's like, he'll have a kid every few years, mm-hmm. dates some pop star or whatever. Um, you know, how does he do it? Yeah. And you were talking earlier about how, he, I think he at Tesla has like an expectation that most of the people who work there work like pretty crazy hours. Mm-hmm. Do, what do you know about that? I don't know a lot. I've just, I, I think I was just more here of the, uh, the negative comments about it, about like, you know, just that he is very demanding when it comes to, you know, your work and, uh, and usually that means lots of hours. Uh, 
And I've heard a little bit about like just you know definitely cycle through people pretty pretty fast because like people burn out. Um, yeah, which doesn't seem like a good thing. No, but I mean, it seems to me that he must work basically constantly unless he's sleeping. Yeah. Um, and we were kind of chatting about this before the podcast, and we got we started asking this question like, well, what is work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it seems like a guy like him, he's working constantly, but what does that really mean? I mean, we all know that everybody burns out. I mean, he's no exception. Mm-hmm. He's got to relax yeah. or like focus his attention somewhere else. And you made this comment sort of observed about you and I that like, we know this about each other. We don't really ever turn off. Mm-hmm. We might like focus our energy in other places and in different ways, but my mind generally doesn't ever stop working on something. Yeah. And that's not really, that has been a negative thing in my life before, Mm -hmm. but only insofar as like, I, I wouldn't let it refocus on something else. Mm -hmm. Like I grabbed a hold of one thing and wouldn't stop focusing on it. And that burned me out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It seems like that part of it, if it is just one dimensional, it definitely can where you go. But I think also we've, we've found over the years that by having different interests, it actually helps the other interests also. Like, so, you know, uh, even though I might not be working directly, you know, uh, you know, think about your story of like, you know, you go to your car and do your breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that could be not seen as not work, but at the same time, it's like, there's things that happen during those, during that time that, actually makes you more productive yeah and or like i do my reading in the morning it's like well it's not necessarily work related but there's a way of thinking and broadening my perspective that actually helps me in my work you know so it kind of is work but it's also not Mm -hmm. and like how do you classify work i think is one thing we were talking about like like is it when you're physically in a meeting you know Mm -hmm. uh sitting down typing on an Excel sheet. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I would argue that that's maybe sometimes not even work also because could be less productive, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's a really interesting question. What is work? Well, it depends mm-hmm. on what you count. Mm-hmm. You know, we generally think of a 40 hour work week, but I think, I think that there is a mode of work for people. And maybe Elon is a good example of this. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I don't know him that well. <laughs> um, I mean, we had dinner last night, but I don't know him well. <laughs> I've never met him, for the record. Um, you know, but I think about that in in my job. Like, yeah, if I'm in a meeting, that's work. If I'm executing on a design or a piece of code, that's definitely work. But, like, was it work when I was reading the book about evolutionary biology in the chapter about resources, resource trade-offs versus design trade-offs. Like, was that work? Because that ended up formulating the basis of a conversation that set one of the pieces of our business in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. Was that work? Or was it work when I went and took a walk and was, and then remembered a quote about somebody saying, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And that helped inform a decision that was made about something we needed to do. Mm -hmm. To your point, was it work when you did your breathing exercises, which gave you the clarity of mind to make decisions that you needed to make? It becomes harder to distinguish work from non-work 
you know, I'm not sure exactly how or when that happens, but there is a difference between that and, you know, maybe a sort of a form of work, which is more, um, repetitive in nature. Mm -hmm. So that could be like, I remember my, a, a job that I had in college. I was like home for a summer, one summer and needed a job. And my friend found this lead of, there's like a, a, a warehouse that manufactured bags for the military. Hmm. And they, he was like, I got us in, we're going to get a job. We're going to go work. So we went and showed up. And on the first day they, they showed me what my job would be. And basically I was a part of an assembly line mm -hmm. and my job was to take these little two inch strips of nylon, uh, webbing. And so it was a big basket of them on my right. And I would pick it up, fold it in half, touch the ends to a hot plate, which would sear them together into a loop and then throw that into the bag on my left. Hmm. Then you pick up the next one and you see it and you like throw it. And I know I've told this story on the podcast before, but it's like, if you're not doing that single repetitive task, then you can easily say you're not working. Yeah. Right. But as you, as you get into maybe it's other kinds of jobs or maybe it's just a different mode of thinking. Mm -hmm. So I think the time I told that story before <clears throat> part of that story I told was I, <clears throat> because it took almost no mental energy, my mind started going to like, how could I make this faster? Mm -hmm. Or how could I design a machine that could do this? Mm -hmm. You know, if you adopt that sort of thinking, well, it's like, even if you aren't successful at designing the machine or don't ever actually execute it, it's like, are you doing double work? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And if you think about the machine I'm that you might design, my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, it, when you're not doing the repetitive task, which mm -hmm. is clearly work is that work. And, so thinking through all of this, I think, well, maybe, maybe what is considered a successful career or a successful life, or maybe it's, I'm not sure if it's what's considered that or it's what creates that, but it's like bringing together the disparate parts of your life and your routine hmm. and the different things you do into some sort of concert where they work together. And the books that I read inform my job, which informs the podcast, which informs the songs that I write, which informs the journaling that I do, or it's mm -hmm. like all these things start coming together into a cohesive whole. Mm -hmm. And where, and can you say where one ends and the other one doesn't? Mm -hmm. And maybe when I go on vacation, I'm almost as productive as when I'm sitting in front of an Excel sheet or, you know, putting searing two pieces of nylon to, or a single piece of nylon into a loop. I don't know. Yeah. But I wonder what that has to do with, uh, like even like what you, what you value in life, you know? Um, cause I think you're hitting on a, on a kind of, a like more of an hourly manual labor kind of aspect. Like I'm here from, you know, six o'clock in the morning till, one o'clock in the afternoon and I'm serving customers. Like that's what I do. And then, you know, when I'm off, I'm off and I'm, I'm a rock climber or I'm a, uh, uh, a belly dancer or whatever it might be. You know, is there a certain aspect of like when we, when we fragment ourselves into different people, <clears throat> is that, is that a good thing or is there, is there, is there a healthiness into it? Or is it something that, that it, like in all, it seems like in all things, maybe there's, there's 
apart as we get older, there's to have more integration maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, that's definitely the opposite. I mean, the fragmenting of yourself between work hours and non-work hours is mm-hmm. it's the opposite of that bringing together into concert the disparate parts of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think if you take the mode of, you know, I work during work hours and not during non-work hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's really healthy reasons to do that and we can get into the nuance of that, but yeah. I think most people who work that who think of work that way they're not really working. They're selling their time to their employer oh, interesting. and allowing themselves to become a tool to do work. Oh, fascinating. That's a really interesting. So, so what would you like just juxtapose that to like for like me being a tool for my employer versus like, what would be on the other side of that? Like a contributor? Um, I mean, I think the, the, maybe that's in the same category mm-hmm. tool and contributor, but it, it's, it depends on how you, maybe how you, um, well, how you show up, how you present yourself. So if mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's kind of pick a, an example and just, you know, our favorite coffee shop barista mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the best example. Apparently. <laughs> and, um, you know, if, if, if a barista comes into work and views those working hours as, well, you've bought my time, mm-hmm. you're paying me for my time between this hour and this hour. <clears throat> and I know that I've got to do these things. You know, I've got to make these cappuccinos and wipe down the counter and whatever. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between that person's perspective and the person who comes in and says, I'm here to serve customers. Mm-hmm. And the job that they perform oh. is going to be much different. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult to define the job that you would prefer they do mm-hmm. because, well, you don't know what that is exactly. It's creative in, in spirit and in nature. Mm-hmm. You want someone to care when they pour the foam into the cappuccino and do the art. You want someone to care when the door opens and for them to look up and genuinely say, you know, welcome. <clears throat> yeah. How's your day? Well, there's definitely a part in that, in that example. And and that's one of the reasons I fell in love with coffee is, is like how you change people's lives. Like what you do goes beyond your wage, your, uh, your cappuccino. It's like, it's like you have a moment to like transform somebody and it might be five minutes every single day. But uh, I just always remember this one customer was just like, like she said, this is my most happiest part of my day is coming in here. Cause you guys make me feel so good. Yeah. And then I got to go to my crappy job. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, so there's, there's a part that you, you want people to see how their influence impacts outside of this, of this four walls of a coffee shop and a beverage, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's, that's the part of like, I think the integration that you miss if you only see it as a job, you know, it's like, right. you know, I fulfill these requirements. It's the same thing with what we talk about with our managers. It's like, okay, Hey, the first three to six months, like we're teaching you the mechanics. Like you have to order stuff. You have to do these things and make sure everybody's here on time, do write-ups and you know, all this evals, but those are just the things like that's not really managing. That's the mm-hmm. mechanics of managing. Right. But the, but actually managing is kind of like understanding people and the nuance and, and, 
knowing how to manage people and get them to work together and in your customers and have them see the bigger picture. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot more ethereal as far as like what managing actually is versus the mechanics of managing. And so like you can pay someone to do the mechanics, but it's really hard to teach the ethereal aspect of actually managing. Ethereal. Interesting word. Is that the right word? Ethereal? I don't know. Like, uh, like it, it's, it's, it's something that can't be necessarily, you can kind of point to it and kind of like draw right. people into it, but they have to be able to experience it. Yeah. You can't, you can't write the acceptance criteria mm-hmm. and create or hire a widget, yeah. whether that be machine or person in order mm-hmm. to, uh, in, in order to achieve it. Because you can fit back right back into mechanical. Now you're yeah. in the mechanics of it, right. but you're not actually managing. You know, yeah, it's like a relationship. It's like you can have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband wife, and you can do the mechanics of being a husband or a wife. But <laughs> but I think it's the same for the barista as mm-hmm. it is for the manager. Totally, exactly. I mean, you can write out all the things the barista is supposed to do, mm-hmm. and have a barista come in and do all those things, yeah. and still be like, "Hey, I'm sorry, it's not working out." Mm-hmm. You know, there's a thousand reasons that we could list for that, you know, possibly well, or an infinite number. But I mean, honestly, it's like, it's like we write out all these things. It's like, okay, here's like sort of like the bare minimum. Right. If you'll at least do this. It reminds me of you, you, You'll do a good job. You <laughs> office <know>? space. <laughs> What's that? Seven is the bare minimum of flair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. You uh, want to express yourself, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Another maybe interesting example of this might just fall flat on its face, but I'm thinking of a, of something which is purely mechanical. And I don't know why this example comes into my head because it's so far removed from our personal experience. But like, if you're trying to lay a railroad, you need people with muscle enough to move the rails and hammer the spikes, withstand, you know, the long hours of labor to make the slow progress across the West. Now you could accomplish this or, or any other sort of like labor intensive task through, let's say, um, forced labor, whether that's forced labor of inmates or more traditionally in the history of the world, slavery, you know, the building of the pyramids, for example, you can accomplish it that way. Or you could say, well, maybe we could replace the force with reward. And that would be a whole different thing though. You don't just stop forcing people to do something and start paying them. And it's the same. It's not the same thing. And then furthermore, I think we know somehow intrinsically that there would be a, so back to the railroad example, there would be a difference between a railroad laid by, by forced labor. I don't want to put it that way. There would be a difference in the railroad laid by people doing it for a paycheck And people, let's say, who, while they were doing it, were thinking of all the people who would be traveling on this railroad and their lives and their relationships and where they were coming from and where they were going, like thinking about what it is that they were doing and why it mattered Mm -hmm. that would change the quality of the railroad. Yeah. I I think, I think that railroad would be better. Mm -hmm. It would last longer because you would pay attention to details that you wouldn't know to pay attention to mm-hmm. if you weren't thinking about what this was for. Yeah. If you were only there to swing the hammer. 
Yeah, I, I'm trying. I'm, I'm kind of like trying to go with the like because there are always you can always tell a difference between somebody who is fulfilling the job requirements versus someone who is doing the job. And uh, maybe that's not the right distinction, but but basically someone who is understands the spirit. Oh, it's like, yeah, I guess that is, it's like the law versus the spirit of the law. Like the law says, you know, uh, this certain thing. Well, it's like, well, you can judge everybody by that law or you can kind of take into consideration the context and think a little bit outside the box and understand what, what's the spirit of this law? Like, what does it mean? How does it apply to this specific situation? Because we might have the same circumstances, in three different cases, but they actually all have three different results because there's something about each case that's unique and the judgment is different. Like one person gets three years versus five years versus seven years. And there's actually a reason behind that. But if you, but if you just like, you know, you know, this gets, uh, you know, you committed this crime while seven years and another person comes up uh, seven years. It's like, well, was, was there any difference between the two? Like, yeah, they weren't the same crime. They weren't the same crime or same situation. No, no two were alike. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like one's maybe a hardened criminal that's been in there, you know, jail three times, but another one's been there for one time or, or none at all. You know, it's like, mm. it's like, I think that's why we do have that sort of idea in the West, you know, especially in the United States. It's like, you know, what are the circumstances? Were you under duress? You know, um, you know, or is this premeditated? You know, there's all these right. aspects that we ask that are not inherently obvious. You know, in in the act, you have to kind of suss it out. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's not about it's not a matter of doing the job of the judge. <laughs> it's like you have to. Yeah, maybe a way to say it is the headline isn't the crime. Hmm. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I think that's become really obvious over the last two years. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, injustice has become really popular mm-hmm. and you read the headline and you think, well, oh, that's horrible. And then you actually, you find out what actually happened and you think, well, that's really different and it's much more horrible or maybe not so horrible or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then it finally gets to the court case and you think, I didn't understand what happened here at all. Mm. It wasn't the first headline or the first in-depth description was something totally different. What was a what was a kid in uh, Washington D.C. that uh, the uh, Native American was beating a drum? Yeah, like, that was one of those situations. Like the headline reads, "Like kid Co- mocks Covington kids." Yeah, Covington kids. Kid mocks Native American. Yeah, that like, was really awful because you had like the Brian Stetzer Steltzer. Uh, I Seltzer. Yeah. It's not Seltzer. <laughs> Of the world. I think he, I don't know if it was him, like one of the blue check Twitter people Mm -hmm. were like saying this kid needs to be thrown into a wood chipper. Yeah. And it was all a mis um, representation of a video clip. Mm -hmm. And it turned out to be quite to something, something quite different. Mm -hmm. And that's a shame. Yeah. Because in that case, you know, it was a 17 year old kid whose life was kind of ruined. Well, okay. So that, that kind of leads into another discussion about just work in general. You know, it's like, like, what are you serving? Like, are you serving an ideology? You know, are you serving the truth? Are you serving? What are you, what are you serving? And in some respects, I mean, even the Kavanaugh is like, 
You're serving Covington. Idea. Covington, yeah. Kavanaugh is the, <laughs> the Supreme Worth Court clearing guy. that up. Yeah. <laughs> That's another one. Yeah. It's like you're serving an ideology that says you should think this way about this, and there is no, um, there's no complexity or room to work outside of that narrative. So mm-hmm. therefore, you jump to that first conclusion. So, you know. It's almost like, again, it's like you're putting, you know, it's like you're, you're, all you're doing is burning the two loops together and put them in the other box. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, you, you, you asked sort of, or posed an interesting question earlier off podcast when we were kind of going through this idea of work and what is work. And an adjacent question is like, well, you work out. Why do you do that? Hmm. And you could say, well, because it makes me feel better. What, and, and then I could say, well, why is it better to feel better than to feel worse? Which is a non-question because uh-huh. they aren't differentiated terms. So we just sort of take it as self-evidence that it's better to feel better than worse. But I don't think that's a good answer. Why is it better to feel better? Well, because it makes me think more clearly. Why would you want to think? And you can play this game. Why would you want to think more clearly? Hmm. Because I'm more effective at the things that I want to do in my life. Hmm. Okay, here, now we're talking. Like, what are the things you want to do in your life? And then you're confronted with, well, I'm more effective at work. And you could, then you could say, well, why do you want to be more effective at work? And you get into these things and play this game all the way out to where you find something which is more like what you were saying a second ago, which is like, what do you serve? Mm -hmm. What are you serving? And we don't tend to, I think, in a sort of like post-religious culture, think about the things we do in our daily life as serving something other than ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's, if you, if you play this game of asking yourself why, I, either you'll run into something that could be described as God, mm-hmm. or it, it or you'll ask the question so many times in a row, like you'll never run out of whys to ask that you'll get tired of playing the game mm-hmm. from sheer, sheer exhaustion. Yeah. And that, I think that all points to like, no, you're serving something, whether or not you can mentally get there or not. Well, I think in that exercise, you know, even if you don't end up with at God, it's like, I think we act as if, that goalpost keeps having to move further and further to that conclusion of God, you know, because like, you know, once you hit that sort of conclusion of what are you working for? It's never enough. And it's like, I'm working for my family to have security. Like it's never enough to explain the phenomena. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's cause like at some point, what if you hit that goal? You know, what if you achieve that? Mm-hmm. So it has to be something that's almost unachievable. Like, you know, I think that's why. Yeah. Well, you use working out for an example. Mm-hmm. You don't work out till a specific time. And you're like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Done. I'm, I can stop now. Mm-hmm. Or you, even like, what does it mean to work out? Because it's like, are you, are you wanting to maintain a certain level of health or to a certain body type or achieve a weight mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, I mean, for me, it's like, I work out 
number one, my most, my main motivator is because if I, uh, if I don't, my back will, mm-hmm. <laughs> my back will go out, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, so that's been a main motivator for me, but I've also gone beyond that too, as far as like, there's a healthiness and awareness that I have. And when I spend the time to do that, that gives me the energy to be a better dad, to right. be a better at work. And, you know, it's like be a better husband. It's like, it, it brings more focus to me. Right. So it, it does become a means, you know, and it in the, in the itself because it's, it's also rewarding in and of itself. Right. Which I think it really, it becomes in some, it becomes rewarding in some, in and of itself in mm-hmm. some integra- only in some integrated space. Yes. Sorry. Integrated state. Mm-hmm. Like I think you and I started working out. Like I didn't work out in my twenties and early thirties. Yeah. I started working out because kind of like with your back situation, I had to, when mm-hmm. I went through my divorce, Oh yeah, I was kind of in a life or death sort of physical and mental space. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really a, a therapist I had, I had who said basically like, you've got two jobs, <laughs> exercise and yeah. eat something every day. That's it. And I don't care if the exercise is one lap around your house and the eat something is a stick of celery. Mm-hmm. You have to check those two boxes. That's more important than your, your job. It's more important than your kids. It's more important than your marriage because mm-hmm. none of those other things matter if you're dead. Mm-hmm. And I took that really seriously. And so I was working out to, so that I could be there. And then once I was there and then came back to like the next day, the workout was sort of a refuge. It mm-hmm. became a reward in and of itself. Yeah. Like I didn't die today. I was there for my kids. I completed my work at my, my job at work. Mm-hmm. Now I get to do this 20 minutes of yoga. Mm-hmm and enjoy it for itself yeah. and let that continue to pay dividends into my day. Mm-hmm. But that's like an integrated state. Mm. It's like the, the phrase that we were kind of playing with earlier, or I was at least about um, integrating disparate parts of your life to perform in concert. Mm. And that's like a, and what's the word for the sum is greater than the parts. There's a word for that. Is there? Yeah. There's a word for everything. <laughs> <laughs> or if there's not, we could make one up. Yeah. I mean, there's something with, uh, it's like we, we almost always have to be working towards integration. You know, um, I think if we don't, then there's sort of like, we kind of, things seem to die. You know, if you mm-hmm. go to your job and you just check boxes, something inside you dies. Right. And, and again, maybe it's not so easily to explain, but I feel like it's something we all experience and maybe someone who's more intelligent than us could explain it in a way that's, but you know, the difference between someone who goes in and just checks the boxes for someone who is present and is trying to do whatever it is, the best that they can do. Mm -hmm. And, and we do know, we do see the difference between people who are more integrated versus those who are maybe less integrated. I wonder if, you know, if you show up with this mentality of checking the boxes and performing the mechanical, the mechanics against mm-hmm. the acceptance criteria, 
you sort of see your hours at work as you've bought my time and I'll do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something in you would die. And maybe in, in a way that's why you might, you could say then I'm giving away these eight hours a day so that I can enjoy the other 16 hours of the day that I'm not giving away. Yeah. But then how at some point is as some part of you in the eight hours dies, you might think, well, the money I'm receiving in, in, um, in exchange for those hours is insufficient for me to provide the enjoyment that I want in my 16 hours. Mm -hmm. And then you become a bit bitter. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, executing against the acceptance criteria by performing the mechanics and I'm not as happy as I want to be in the 16 hours and happiness isn't even a part of the equation in the eight hours. Mm -hmm. And so you want more money, Mm -hmm. which pollutes and rots the other 16 hours even more. Whereas I think the alternative is if you're integrated if you, if you integrate all those hours and in, into something which is more cohesive, mm-hmm. it's much harder to play games like that with yourself. Yeah. It's much harder to, to paint yourself into the corner of bitterness because you're evaluating things as a whole rather than as disparate parts, which have exchanges and trade-offs and are mutually exclusive. Um, mm. uh. Well, okay, so so maybe I kind of go into this. Uh, tell me what you think about this. I think I have this problem with vacation. Mm-hmm. And Allison's always pointed this out to me. Like, I need a two-week vacation. Like, that's kind of like, or at least a week. Because it takes the first two or three days to sort of be present at whatever, wherever, whatever we're doing, you know? And I, I probably, I, I might be overstating it a little bit, but I think it's, pretty accurate you know um so i would say that there's probably something not integrated in me in that space um to be able to to not be able to be present like if i think of a vacation right now it just seems like annoying to try to plan you know like we're going (laughs) to mexico but Luckily, Dave was uh, <laughs> all over that one. <laughs> Just to give the background, filling context on that, I'm turning 40 next month, and so yeah. you and I and another friend are going uh-huh. to going to Mexico, baby. Mm-hmm. Super badass. Yeah, but I'm so excited about it. You know, it's like, um, but planning a vacation. Well, and just to linger on that for a moment, yeah. like, will that be a vacation? Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I, I get you. You know what I mean? Because we're probably going to do exactly what we're doing right now. <laughs> and we're not technically on vacation right now. Uh-uh. So is that technically a vacation just because we're going to be in Mexico and well, not technically working our jobs, but mm-hmm. back to the earlier sort of hypothesis or formulation or whatever, Yeah, you know, maybe something happens on that trip, some conversation, some line of thinking, which changes everything at our jobs. Well, then was that work or not? You know? And so you could say, well, Mm. I'm not going to think about work, which means now you have to be disintegrated. Yeah. In order to accomplish your vacation. Yeah. So that's super fascinating because you know, we're going to talk about crypto, our work, our economy and everything in between. Uh Uh-huh. 
can't wait. Well, maybe I take some of that back then. It's like, um, I mean, even like when you and I take that trip and, in, in, in the fall to talk about like our, um, podcast and kind of regroup and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like you and I are actually working fucking hard. <laughs> our, our yearly shores of ignorance uh, trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're like, we're like bending our minds mm-hmm. and exhausting ourselves, but it's actually like super relaxing and enjoyable. But we also were, we also work really hard if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, maybe let me, let me try, let me try taking us. I don't know if this is one or two different places. We'll okay. see. But I had this, um, I don't know, a month ago, I woke up one morning a weekend, like a Saturday. I didn't, it's a weekend. I didn't have my kids here. So I was alone in the house and <clears throat> I woke up because you do, you wake up in the morning, uh, you know, whether you want to or not. Um, at some point you wake up and I sort of woke up and I looked out the window and I thought, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. And then I was confronted with this almost like horrific reality, which is you don't get to not do anything. Hmm. You wake up, your mind is online and it doesn't matter if you're depressed or hungover or whatever, your mind's online and there's not much you can do about it Yeah. except for maybe, you know, knock it out in some way, but you're online, which means you have to do something mm-hmm. and that something might be lay there and think about how you don't want to do anything, you know, or it might be, Oh, I'm going to drag myself from the bed to the couch and watch a show. Mm-hmm. You know, or it might be some version of chores around the house, or it might be like, I'm going to go treat myself to a swim at the Springs or, you know, a spa day, a massage. I don't know. This is the thing. This is the question. Mm -hmm. Immediately you have to do something and then there's no getting around it. And you can play semantic games and definitional games around, well, okay, what's work and what's not work. Mm -hmm. And this is interesting to me because as we're talking about this, I'm thinking, Well, everything is work. And everything's not work. Everything is work. And by that definition, everything has the potential to not be work as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. And then I think, okay, what was it that God said to Adam after Eve and Adam ate from the tree of good and evil? Uh, You're talking about like by the sweat of your brow, you'll uh, you'll work the land. He cursed man to work. And I think we read that story and you think, well, you're going to work the land by mm-hmm. the sweat of your brow. So yeah, every day you're going to have to go out and till the field or whatever. You're going to do work. Yeah. And I think, well, maybe it was far more, to use a popular term, inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> like nice. to, to include everything. Mm-hmm. Like there's something of a curse to that. You mm-hmm. open your eyes and well, fuck, you got to do something. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're actually happier when we don't have to confront what it is that we want to do Mm. or have to do or whatever. It's like if we live, that's why people say, you know, it's like a hack, like, you know, life hack, live by a schedule, get up at the same time, do Mm -hmm. the same things in the morning. Um, you know, and you could sort of, it's almost arbitrary what they are. Yeah. It's just, if you're not having to confront yourself with that existential crisis of what the hell do I do with myself hmm. on any given time frame, 
it could just be the 30 minutes between you when you get up and you've got to be somewhere. It's like, what the hell do I do with myself? Hmm. Do I make coffee? I feel like I've been drinking too much coffee lately. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe I shouldn't make coffee, but then I might have a headache later. And then you know, it's like what you can spiral yourself into this thing. Do I try to go for a walk? Do I work out? Do I just lay here for a while longer? Do I hit the snooze button? Mm -hmm. Like every, each of those questions, all the questions that you could ask yourself when you first open your eyes in the morning, ha have the potential to be an existential crisis. Hmm. Yeah. It's like whether consciously or unconsciously, like you're, you're, you're working through those things, whether you know it or not, mm -hmm. like all the, all the stuff you just laid out, I think is really, well, really well said. You know, even if, so like, even if you read the uh, Genesis account from a different perspective, as far as, uh, I think Peterson went in through this pretty good. He was, anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, but sort of like, if you read that Genesis account as, as like at epochs of time, sort of man coming into consciousness and aware of the futility of work and having to grapple with that. I mean, that's what consciousness does. It brings us into awareness of how we act in the world, you yeah. know? And so as consciousness develops, it's like your action in the world takes on greater and greater meaning. So it's like, even though you might try to convince yourself that, you know, all the things you just went through is like, I wake up in the morning and it's like, well, I could sit here and not do anything. Well, you are doing something by not doing anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, the, it's really a existential problem, like you were saying. And I think that's the, that's the part of integration, you know, as far as like, okay, I'm a conscious being. Like, how do I bring all these things? You know what? I'm going to lay here right now and just be, I'm just going to be for a little bit. I'm going to choose that. And you know, and, and think about things or just like, you know, like, uh, that's one thing I have to do sometimes like on the weekends, very rarely, uh, <laughs> I'll make my stay myself stay in bed till eight or nine or something like that. And oh, that's brutal. I know. <laughs> let's, let's say eight. Okay. <laughs> and I'll just, not just the time. It's just like the making yourself stay in bed. Yeah. It's really hard. Uh huh. But I'll sit there and I'll just be like, okay, I'm just going to start thinking about what, what's on my mind. And I'll just kind of start exploring mm. thoughts and ideas mm -hmm. and, I'll have a great time for like an hour, an hour and a half. And just like, Oh wow, that was really great. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, or I could have sat there and be like, ah, I should go back to sleep. Oh. Well, but so isn't that interesting? Uh -huh. It's like, you can resolve the problem of like, so you say, I'm going to make myself stay in bed until mm -hmm. eight. Yeah. What do I do for an hour? Mm -hmm. Well, what, what is it that you do? You give yourself a job mm -hmm. and you accomplish the task. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yeah. Or you learn something like, you know, a lot of times I, I think it's fun to, to just explore what's underneath <clears throat> the surface, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, why am I thinking that? What does that have to do with anything? Cause like, that's one thing I've learned is like, I might start thinking about something, but it's for a reason it's connected to something and to, to explore those, those threads is actually really rewarding. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, like being a barista at a coffee shop, you know, it's like, huh, this person comes in every single day. I wonder what they do for a living. Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, well, that's cool. Oh, how's the kids? You know, next day. Hey, how's little Sammy doing? Oh, Sammy was sick. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're building this whole level of like complexity and enrichment that you're, you're now touching somebody else's life and they're having an impact on you and you're having an impact on them. 
but you're choosing to engage rather than transactional. You mm-hmm. know, like I asked the question, how are you good? What do you want done Bye. you know, it's like, yeah. it's like th- that's no one is fulfilled by that. It's like we, we only are fulfilled by taking the extra step and exploration into what is this, you know, like the task oriented hmm. aspect of things is never fulfilling for anybody. Right. I mean, it, just to pause on that example for a moment of like building the relationship with your barista. Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you doing? What was the example you gave? How are you doing? I'm doing fine. How, you know, how Sammy? Is well, like, yeah. Well, the first question is like something like, do you have kids? You learn about the kids first. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you have the opportunity to ask yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. It, it isn't as if when you have that first interaction with the barista and then you walk away, that goes offline out of consciousness. Hmm. And then the next time you walk in, somehow it comes, it pings back in. Mm -hmm. Like, you know that if you want to build any sort of relationship, like if you have a hard time remembering names, for example, Mm -hmm. like in, and I want to say to you, Michael, here's some advice for learning to remember people's names. Mm -hmm. And I say the next time you meet somebody new and they say, Hey, nice to meet you. My name's Casey. You're going to go Casey blue button down shirt, cowboy boots, Casey. Mm -hmm. And the reason you're going to do that is because in three days you're going to see a blue button down shirt and you're going to go Casey Mm -hmm. or cowboy boots, Casey. That's right. Casey. Yeah. And then the next time you see him, you're going to go Casey, you're not wearing your cowboy boots today. What's up? (laughs) Uh And now it's like you've established a relationship, but this is a, well, it's something like a job. Mm Mm-hmm. And you are organizing your mind such that the outside world, which has nothing to do with Casey, becomes a reminder of Casey, mm-hmm. you know, and why would you do that? Why would you organize the irrelevant world mm. and give it relevance to that? Mm. Well, because it means something. It's like this task you've set yourself with remembering people's names is important to you for a reason. Mm. It's important enough that you will, you will reorganize the world around it. Which is fascinating too. I mean, again, I'm talking about 20 years of experience in customer service. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, you can argue with me, but I'll, I'll tell you you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fantastic and amazing to see somebody work with somebody like that. So somebody who is engaging and sees outside of just working the hours and checking the boxes, every person that that person works with works better. Like at a higher level, like it's, it's infectious and they they, actually enjoy themselves. Yeah. They literally transform the world. Mm -hmm, Totally. But it's interesting if you put two people together that aren't like that, that are box checkers, it's the most depressing and lifeless Mm -hmm. shift. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, uh, I, I can say, I can say this very definitively that, that that's the case. And it's, it's, it's truly amazing. And so it's always fun to see, you know, if you have two or three of those types of people and like how they can really transform a shop and create a space and yeah. customers are just besides themselves and right. just get better tips. <laughs> yeah, right. 
but it's true. It's like, there is a, there's a tangible like monetary part of it too. It's like, you know, when people feel taken care of and loved, it's like a lot of times you're going to get paid more, hmm. you know, hmm. tip tire. <laughs> that was always the funniest. Like, uh, one of our, uh, she's been, she was with me for a long time and, uh, she was an upper management, but she'd work a shift and the breeze at the end of it. Cause she's really great with customers. Uh, her name's Stephanie. And, uh, one of the breezes I was working with, I was like, man, we got so much tips this time. And so he's like, I know because we were nice to people. <laughs> I just, it doesn't take much. It's just sort right. of like, you know, like we human beings don't need a lot to like feel, <laughs> feel valued and welcomed. Yeah. You know? yeah, it's yeah. Like, um, yeah, even I was at, uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to now with shame mm. admit that this story happened at a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have a friend that has, owns a coffee shop. You know, <laughs> we need to talk about your locations and how there isn't one three blocks from my oh, office. Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> but there is a Starbucks. And so I've been going there in the afternoon to get, uh, get some caffeine. Mm. <clears throat> And like maybe my third or fourth time there, the barista was, he said, I don't know that he had actually ever gotten my name, but he said, remind me your name again. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, it's Matt. And he goes, I thought it started with an M. Oh, that's cool. And I thought, I'm fairly certain I've never given you my name. Maybe you saw it on my card or maybe, you know, you, I guess at Starbucks, they actually ask you for your name and they write it on the cup right, and they okay. call it out. And so maybe he really did remember. It didn't matter as irrelevant. Mm-hmm. It, it made me feel two simultaneous emotions. One, I was like, I really appreciate that, mm-hmm. that you're recognizing my humanity. Like, I'm just trying to come in to solve a quick problem, which is like, I'm a little groggy. Mm-hmm. I didn't come in for your relationship or your attention, mm-hmm. but it was like a little bit of a bonus. Yeah. Um, and then also simultaneously, God, I don't want to be known my name at the Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably, that's probably just evidence of you in my mind, but, um, what if I come in with Michael and he, but think about how easy that was. Like, I think a lot of us, Mm. we avoid people. We don't know their name when we don't know their names, Mm -hmm. which is its own really interesting observation that you would avoid someone you don't, who you can't, don't know or can't remember their names, Mm -hmm. but how easy it is. And not only easy to learn someone's name, Mm -hmm. Um, but to do it in a way that actually makes them feel positive. Mm. It's like the fact that he quote unquote forgot my name. He turned that into a positive thing by simply being forthright and honest and curious. Mm-hmm. I think most of all, like he legitimately wanted to know. Yeah. So the way he phrased the question, it's like, remind me your name again. Oh, I thought it started with an M he's indicating. I thought about it cause I wanted to know. Yeah. And so I asked because I wanted to know, and all of that was intrinsic in the, in the line of questioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, let's, let's even go to, to parenting, you know, like that's work. <laughs> Clearly you know, it's, 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 it's like the ultimate work. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, pretty much all uh, it's well, the workiest of work. Well, it's uh, a lot of the work you do is to go to support that work too. You know, it's like <laughs> to put food on the table and what's the, uh, that guy, that comedian, we've been kind of chatting about Michael Palisak. He has that whole bit of like, 
you know, parenting is a full-time job, but I don't know what sort of full-time job you would accept <laughs> under those circumstances. Like you go to interview for a job and you're like, they're like, okay, do you want this full-time job? And you say, well, how much does it pay? And they're like, oh, well, actually you pay <laughs> thousands of dollars. <laughs> And so you're like, oh, what do I get out of it? Well, you get judged for asking that question. <laughs> uh, we'll try to put one of his uh, his clips in the show links. It's, he's really great. He's really funny. He does a good job. He's a first-time dad, too, from what I gather in all of his different clips. <laughs> uh, well, so <laughs> I derailed you. What were you talking about, the work of parenthood? Well, it, uh, so, so something, <laughs> shoot, uh, I don't know how much detail on this I want to give, but, uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll give a... <laughs> so, so like you know you have a family you know and there's certain sacrifices that you make by doing that you know there's time there's energy um financial worries stress i mean almost anything if you're again it's exactly there's so many comedians that have said talked about like you know marriage and having kids and like why does anybody do it? But there's also something so rewarding that you can't really explain to people until you until mm. you've done it, you know, uh, until you have it and you've experienced that reward. I think it's similar to work too. It's like probably having a family is is the hardest thing you will ever do, yeah. you know, because um, you actually care about these people <laughs> right. and what happens to them, you know. It's like. Um, because your work doesn't actually ever end. Mm. Yeah. Because especially with kids, mm -hmm. they're going to outlive you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, and how do you approach that? It's, it's, it's something that, you know, you're also investing in them and, and into their future and you don't have control on what they do with that. You can do your best, but you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm hmm but there's something about that in the human experience of that. Like you can either shirk or ignore that responsibility. Let's say you do have kids and you just ignore or shirk that responsibility. It's like not only you don't get any of the positive parts of it. You only get the negative aspects mm. of parenting. Only the failure. Only the failure. And the shame of that failure. Mm -hmm. It's like, so I think if nothing else, like parenting does teach you and almost drags you into interacting and experiencing some of those positive aspects because it's so in your face that like you can, you can show up to your job and check boxes. You can't do that with your kids. It's in your face that you are failing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, maybe it's like <laughs> if you, even if you do, the best you can and you're the best parent mm -hmm. by anyone's definition your kids are still going to hate you at some point if you show up and just check the boxes of parenting they're going to hate you a lot of the time <laughs> <laughs> and so you just it's like you do a good job to minimize the amount of hatred <laughs> that you get <laughs> you know and that's a very you know unidimensional yeah, way totally. to look at it it's yeah. like you also get to the extent maybe that you show up forthrightly and genuinely mm -hmm. like the, the purest love you've ever felt mm. the purest acceptance, the yeah. purest admiration 
the purest thanks and the purest forgiveness. And just the feeling of being needed. Like your kids mm. need you. Mm. And there's something that's so genuine and honest and, you know, they won't, they'll, they'll die without you in certain parts of their lives. You know, it's yeah. like, it's like, there's something about that. Like, I mean, you see it all the time where, where a kid is, you know, he kind of, you know, steps 10 feet away from his mother or dad and then realizes, Oh my God, I'm in the unknown. Mm-hmm. And it runs back to the mom or the dad. It's just sort of like you, you understand that you're a tether for them in this reality and that you're uh, something to, to be stable in this chaotic, crazy world. And there's something that's grounding for, for us as parents to have that, um, to be that for somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, especially somebody that we're so intimately involved with because we created them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's like, again, but it is work though. You can't get around that. I think that's, there's something about, accepting accepting the work i don't know why forthrightly comes to my mind maybe it's because you say that all the time has <laughs> <laughs> been one of my favorite words that's of late it's really good i like it i don't know what it all all the way means but <laughs> but there's something about accepting something and expanding and making it bigger is rewarding you know mm-hmm. whether it be your work at your job work at your in your family work with your friends you know it's like um there's something about investing your time and energy into the things that that you are committing yourself to willingly mm-hmm. i mean it doesn't have to be it can be a you know a possibly a sucky job but if you commit yourself to doing it the best you can there's something rewarding in that yeah because you can transform yourself mm-hmm. and your job and your kids mm-hmm. and your friends into you know into what you don't exactly know but i think that this is kind of the, maybe the thing we've been touching on all along which is that like the high level statement is that humans are creative Hmm. And I've, I've been finding myself wanting to sort of split hairs with that word a bit. Like, cause I think when we think of the word creative, we think of like watercolor and hmm. playing the guitar and yeah. you know, whatever, which, yeah, that's creative. But I'm, I mean, we create things. Hmm. And it's like, what is it that you do when you transform the world? You create something new. Yeah. You create an atmosphere. Yeah. You know, it's like, what kind of atmosphere are you going to create? A box checker is not creating an atmosphere. It's, it's actually like sucking the air out of the, <laughs> out of the room. Well, and may, <laughs> I would maybe argue that it is creating an atmosphere. Oh, it's okay. creating an atmosphere that you don't want. Mm-hmm. You know, if you imagine the coffee shop at, I don't know what time y'all open, but mm-hmm. 4 a.m., no one's there, the lights are off. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you imagine that as sort of like, level zero Mm -hmm. just sort of it's nothing yeah it's neutral the second someone walks into that room that room changes Hmm. that individual is creating something oh interesting gotcha and the more that we are that we attend to what it is that we're creating Mm -hmm. and we do it by design with intention Mm -hmm. i think 
the more you 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 start manifest comes to mind. Yeah, I was going to say I, I think you start looking at the category of art, hmm. and to the extent that you are mindless, mm-hmm. not paying attention, simply showing up to check boxes, but your mind's elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not you're not the railroad hammerer thinking about the people who are going to be traveling on that line. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not thinking about the customers who are coming into the coffee shop. You're thinking about, you know, how your boyfriend pissed you off or how your mother never told you that she loved you. Mm-hmm. You're not attending to the space. You're changing the space still, but you're not, you're, you're it's like a creative destruction rather than a designed creation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because there, there is a place, there's a place for that too, like um, for deconstruction and for, um, well, it's, uh, I, sorry, I, just, I think I went off at a different place, but tell me what you think about this. Like, like those times that you need to sort of blow up you know, as mm-hmm. far as like you've created a world, but then it's become too confined. And so something has to sort of break in order to, um, in order to progress into sort of that, the next reiteration of creativity, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I experience it with, you know, like thoughts, I get stuck in a rut and I can't get out of it. And, but something in me has to change. And sometimes I don't know what that is. And so so maybe something has to die, you know, or I need to shift my perspective. I think that's hard because it's, it's, you can't necessarily always know how to, to do that, but it does. I think when it starts to bleed into different spaces, I think it starts to almost beg you or or entice you to change because you start to see the impact that you're having on those around you and it's like a spiral like you're either going to not change and spiral into sort of like uh, not necessarily a box checker but checking out of the world you know mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're, I think we do face those moments. Cause like, I don't think we, I don't think we change ever without suffering. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think it's hard to choose, choose the change. Well, I mean, yeah, I think you can maybe get in a pattern of it, but that you see the benefit of transformation and changing and maybe you might be easier or more willing and aware of when those moments or seasons are, but I do see, like, I think that's one thing I could, I guess you could call it a prayer or something like that. It's like, I can't see unless you show me and I can't hear unless you speak. Like, that's something that has always kind of come into my mind. Uh, it's like, I don't know what I don't know. And it's sort of like, almost like a confession. Hmm. Sort of like, um, you know, you know, for me, it's like to God, it's like, if you don't show me, I can't, I don't, I won't know. But there's also, I think in that sort of prayer, 
when I, when I, when I do that, it kind of opens up. I'm willing. I don't know for what, <laughs> but I'm willing. It's humility. Oh, that's yeah, on my resume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's such a dad joke. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, I think that's a good, good, good observation. It's like, we do have to have a humility, um, that we don't, we don't, we don't know. We don't understand. And, and that by having that sort of stance in the world, it's also, we're ready to learn and experience and change. Mm-hmm. But once we, once we are unwilling to learn and change, it seems like we do kind of get more rigid and our walls right. start to close in on us and our, our world gets smaller and smaller. Hmm. I think it's a wonderful place to leave this one. I think so too. Man, it's a lot to think about. I think, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like this conversation was just more good for me to hear. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, man, you can create spaces. Like I have that on my Twitter profile. <laughs> Michael Backlip creating spaces. Well, it's like, I love to create sp- like, uh, oh shit. I don't even know what it says, but, uh, uh, I guess like what, one of the things I love to do the most is creating spaces for people. You mm-hmm. know? Like it's just so much fun to see how people interact in a space Yeah, that you sort of set the boundaries and the parameters for. And then there's a sort of artwork that kind of goes into mm. it. It's, and it's also, it's like for now it's like, it's not me directly. It's through my baristas, through my managers, you know, it's like, right. And they, they're a part of this sort of creating this space, but I have to, I kind of have to allow and, and sort of give the directions like a conductor of some sort, you know, and then they kind of act as a conductor in a sense. And then, you know, from the manager to the barista, like everybody's acting as a conductor in their own symphony, you know, which is, uh, Hmm. like how to, how to manifest that across it's so weird. I was like, I've seen so many areas where complete failure. It's like, you know, both on my part and, and maybe, you know, I don't want to be able to conduct as well as I could have like, ah, that brass horn is not working out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That violin is a little out of tune, you know? Yeah. It's like, hmm. anyways, cool. Well, beautiful discussion tonight. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Love you guys. Thanks for coming along on the ride. Good job. <laughs> <laughs>